Hello, lovelies. Welcome to Horror 421, the podcast, with your hosts, special effects makeup artist supreme, Elena Morales, and your friendly small-town horror author, Charles Campbell. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the frights in this week's episode. Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Horror 421, the podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Charles Campbell, and my beautiful co-host, Elena Morales, is with us today. Hello, everyone. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, she's been a friend of mine for a few years now, and uh, she's an author. And I've read quite a, you know, I've read a, a couple of her books. She's got a lot of books out there. But uh, <laughs> today we would like to welcome Kim Leitner to the show. Hello. Hello, Kim. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, like I said, I, I've read a few of Kim's books. I haven't read everything she's got out there, but I will tell you off the jump, one of my favorites out of the ones that I've read has been The Girl Who Captured the Stars. So I want you guys to take a good look at that. Um, and we will definitely be asking Kim questions about this book in particular, for sure. But um, thank you to the show. Thank you for coming to the show, Kim. Sure. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. awesome. My first por- podcast. I'm a podcast virgin no longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we really get into the questions, why don't you uh, kind of give us a backstory on yourself? Uh, you know, you can kind of tell us what led you down the path of writing or what made you and what made you want to become an author. And then we can go from there. Sure. OK, let's start with. Um, probably when I was 10 years old, I mean, I was an avid reader. I was like one of those kids. I'd lock myself into my room and just, I'd read three Harlequin romances a day. That's how voracious of a reader I was. Harlequin romance, because my girlfriend's sister belonged to whatever club that they have where they send you new ones every month. So she had this huge bookshelf just filled with them. So every day, every couple of days I go over, I bring back what I read and grab five more and two days later and on and on. And this happened over probably a good year and a half till I ran. I was reading quicker than she was getting books. And yes, we had a library. And every time I would go into a library, I was looking at things like Alive. Any kind of torture stories always just intrigued me. You know, the plane people crashing on the plane, the soccer team, and they're eating each other to live and shipwrecks, you know, far cry from Harlequin romance. But at that point, I kind of switched gears and started reading like history, kind of got away from the romance thing. And it's like, okay, after a while, you know, hundreds of books, they kind of all felt the same to me. And it's like, no, it's kind of tangent off onto something else. And my mother's boyfriend at the time was a huge, huge fan of John Denver. Can I say that out loud, John Denver? <laughs> and I just kind of he introduced me to the music. And between him with that and the Moody Blues, I started writing poetry. And it's not that I wanted to write songs. I just wanted to write something. And it was a way of getting your feelings out, you know, when you're going through your little teenage drama, drink, you know, crap like that. And it's like, I need to get this out. So I've made it where every day I put out 10 pages of poetry. I mean, I have notebooks. I have two crates filled with notebooks. 
that I left behind when I moved with the girl who moved into my house, who I knew would take very good care of them until I could go back. We had no room to pack them. The truck was full. So they're sitting out there. I told her, well, in the meantime, if I ever get famous, you've got all my first poetry. You can read some of it. And she was laughing. She's like, oh my God, what, you know, it's all about the boyfriend at the time. And you know, my little doodles in the corner and I read it and I was like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> you know, it, wasn't really <laughs> it was just thoughts. And it never occurred to me really to start writing books. I started a blog on WordPress and I would write a poem a day, sometimes two. And over probably two and a half years amassed like 4,200 followers and it was all kind of nature inspired. I don't listen to music when I write. And if I do, it's background noise. Now I know Charles just cranks the tunes and free for all having fun in there. I cannot do that because it just takes my mind away. And a lot of what I write, I pull from 80s music because it's kind of what seems to be running through my head. I have my own internal soundtrack up here, so I don't have to crank the tunes. And I don't want to... <laughs> feeling somebody else's words and using them in my books and getting nailed for plagiarism when it was just kind of where the thought took me based off of the music, you know, usually simple minds and the cure. A lot of my more recent works seems heavily influenced by like the eighties punk and goth culture type yeah. of tunes, which is fine with me. Cause I love it. I listen to everything. I'm very open-minded as far as listening to things but not while I write. It just distracts me too much. And fast forward, I moved to Florida. At that point, I still, I've been here for six years now. I still hadn't written a novel. And one day I was, I love thrift stores. I love going into thrift stores. I love just everything about them, walking through and looking at things and touching things. And my favorite thing to find is like pictures of like old dead people. <laughs> so. I don't do creepy dolls. I like pictures of old dead people. So needless to say, I was in a thrift store close to where I worked and there was this really pretty frame and it was like $5. And this was what was in the picture. That's beautiful. Oh, now, wow. I don't know who she is. And everybody, everybody, as I went to cash out, they're like, are you related to her? And I'm like, I highly doubt it. I don't know who she is. I just want the frame. So I take her out and on the back, it's a Nella McMiller or Nella McMella. We could never figure out. And I've shown it to tons of people. Everybody has a different take on what the last name is. So I kind of propped her up on my little desk and I'm doing my thing, writing my poetry. And I went to bed and I had a dream about this woman. And it's like, I don't know who she is. You know, maybe I'm getting her vibes or something. Happy vibes. Probably for a week straight, I kept dreaming about this woman and she was like weaving this tale through my head. And I look at my husband at the end of the week. I'm like, she's driving me crazy. There is a story here and I have to write it. He's yeah. like, yeah. And I sat down and a month, a little over a month later, I had 98,000 words written. I was just a machine. I didn't think about it. I just, I type 80 words a minute and I would look at her picture and type 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 and the story just kind of unfolded itself and it's like okay Charles, well, doesn't that remind that? you of uh the show marianne a little bit yeah it does yeah yeah <laughs> i don't think i've seen that one do i need to watch that you one should 
Definitely watch it. It's so good. It's um, it's French, no? Yeah, it is. I think it's French. It's French. You can watch it with the Netflix dubbing or without it. They're both good either way. Um, but the premise of the show is the author. She has a long going series of, is it? It's kind of like a demon kind of wreaking havoc in the world. And she decides that she's done with this character. She no longer wants to write it. And everybody is like totally pissed at her for wanting to do that. So what happens is as soon as she stops writing the story, everything in her life turns to absolute hell. And there's so many different things that keep happening. And basically you kind of find out that the demon is actually real. And the way to suppress it within her mind is for her to like just keep writing so it's it's a really good show, but her process was almost just like what you said. She kind of was thinking about it, and she would go on almost a trance-like state, and that was her um, process of writing. So I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. I call it channeling. Everybody asked me. I said, it's almost like you're channeling this message from somewhere. You know, my idea was not to write books. I write poetry. It's all flowery. It's all nice. And here I'm writing about a serial killer and a you know love story and a mystical thrift store all in one and I got it done and I had no idea my friend Francie had published a book and I bought a copy from her and she sent it to me and I was just like you know somebody I know could write a book why can't I do this wait a minute you just did you just don't know what to do with it now right so I picked her brain a little bit and went through Amazon, you know, I studied the different ways of publishing and I wasn't looking for a publisher. I wasn't looking for, you know, I didn't think it was going anywhere. Nobody's going to read this. My mother will read it because my mother loves me. <laughs> Maybe my sisters and brother too, my husband. And he read it, my husband read it and he's just like, wow, where did this come from? <laughs> like, I don't know, this crazy woman in my head named <laughs> Nella told me her story. And I did my due diligence. I went through everything. I was so proud of myself. I learned how to format it through Amazon on my Mac computer that I bought. My husband's like, okay, you know, you're serious about this. Let's go get you a decent computer. And went into the big bad Apple store, like $2,000 for a computer. You're crazy. I ended up dropping, I think, 13, 1400 thinking I better do something with this computer. Not that I spent all this money. And I read everything. Um, Francie gave me a book that she uses for, you know, how to edit because, you know, my grammar, you know, don't call the grammar police on me because they would have a field day. I put this book out. My little sister calls me two days later. She's like, who's your editor? And I'm like, why? She's like, well, you better fire them and get your money back. I'm like, no, no. I went on, I immediately reread what I wrote. And it's like, typo here typo there now I, I think the norm is you're allowed one for every 10,000 words and I've gotten much better even at that I'm lucky if I get three per book now but at the time I was like devastated here I'd sold all these books and now I find out that the editing on it that done by my hand sucks that's <laughs> like well I yeah I, I don't know if I want to bring this up or not but since <laughs> you're talking about typos I'm gonna bring it. Elena's shaking her head <laughs> no. 
There's a lot of things in Horror 421, the podcast, and we are not talking about that one. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that one? Let's right. hear it. No. Yeah, we'll talk about it after the podcast. I wasn't going to say his name. I wasn't going to say put names but in. But then they're never going to want to be on our podcast. Yeah, We, that's we true. want All them right. on our podcast. All right. All right. I'm going to defer to my uh, to my co-host advice. And when this when this is over, I will I will share, and I still won't share names. But um, after but after I get, I get big name authors and I'm reading them and I was like, OK, there's a mistake. And now, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, now I'm picking it out. I'm well, like, see, that, that was the and the thing now. that I'm not going to talk about. Uh, um, that was my <laughs> state of mind because I was in the middle of writing a book. And so my mind was on laser focus for that kind of thing. And I usually don't read a book while I'm writing a book. But for some reason, I did during this time period. And. Anyway, without going into the detail, which so Elena won't kill me. Uh, no names. That 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 that's kind of what happened. I, I was just focused, really focused on on that kind of thing. So, but I get it. I mean, you know. Uh, so Stephen King makes mistakes too, huh? Well, I, well, well, yeah. I actually a few years ago when I was in Venice, ironically enough, um, sitting on the beach reading a copy of The Shining. I don't know which revision it was, but it was a reread. I've read it several times. Um, but there was a typo in that book. One. Mm-hmm. one typo it was? I was yeah i don't know which revision it was so it may have been oh, okay, corrected okay, okay. you know because books get revised all the time without people knowing about it you know right. but it was a, it was an old copy so it maybe it was early on maybe i don't know but uh there was one single typo and i and i wish i had the book with me because I, I, I marked the uh it was a paperback i thought near the page uh, i found a typo in stephen king's book so i thought that was amazing you're like, one of my favorite books <laughs> I just read that last year for the first time. I've seen the movie. I did too. I can't done. lie. Oh, yeah. 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 It's and all- I'm a Stephen King like now, fanatic, but like the that? movie scared me as a kid. So I was always so leery to read it. I was like, I really just don't. But then I read the book and I was like, this is 10 times better than the movie. Oh my God. Yeah, then I rewatched the movie right after. I was like, this was a piece of shit. I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, I really am mad about it. I'm so pissed. They didn't do the trees. Like they did. Not the trees, uh, the bushes like the they bushes, did in the book. Yeah. And I was like, they could have done so much. Yeah. You'll remake Aladdin, but you won't remake The Shining. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I heard King wasn't too impressed with the movie either. So He well, likes okay. it better now than he did before. But when it first came out, I think Stephen King was pissed about yeah, it. Yeah, he wasn't very But at the same it. time, with, with most of that uh, director's films, it's Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's right. He... um. His are always really artistic films, so I think you have to go with that as being very pretty, which it is. But Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. his character was, um, he gave me pedo vibes the entire time. Like, he, he he had just, like, this weird, but they didn't play more into the alcoholic situation mm-hmm. like they did in the book. So there was so many more lingering questions, like, why all of a sudden is he acting like such a, such a psycho? Like, where does it mm-hmm. come Like, where is the... Where's it coming from? Yeah. Right, right. So um, Buffalo, you would know come wintertime that lasts six months out of the year, you would know what cabin fever is. Yeah. So you move yeah, to but floor and become a writer. <laughs> the only thing I can think of is how bad Shelly Duvall had it on set, though. They said that they just tortured that poor woman. I felt so well, bad. Well, for, for what she was given, I thought she did a great job, but yeah, of course. But I'm gonna say a but there. Uh that wasn't Wendy in the book. She was no a billion percent. She stronger. was too mousy. Yeah, she was. She mousy was a, of a character. 
she was way stronger than Shelley Duvall's character. So that kind of irritated me a little bit. I think she was blind too, wasn't she? I think I you're right. I want to say you're correct. Yes. Yeah. 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 Also the, um, the innkeeper, uh, what was his name in the book? Why did I just forget his name? I've read the book who, three or four the, times. Who yeah. had the shining. Um, yeah. I can't remember. Slipping. I was mad that they did him like that. Because I really didn't know that he actually survived in the book. Like he was such more of a major character in the book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's Catman Crothers. Catman Crothers in the movie. Yeah. Yep. I love him. Yeah. Well, they had a guy uh, play his role in um, the the new movie that just came out for the sequel. Doctor Sleep. Yeah, Doctor Sleep. Um, I, I was thinking. The book yet, I yeah, it. you haven't seen the movie, but they had a guy who's really comparable to Catman Crothers. He did a great job, but. Uh, yeah, I love Doctor Sleep. I love the the movie. It was all good. Now I haven't seen it yet, so don't give me any spoilers. <laughs> well, there's two versions out there. There's a director's cut, there which is? is like yeah, it's like almost three hours long, and the other one's like two hours and fifteen minutes. Just like a midsummer length almost. <laughs> no more torture. No more of that one. That's right. Well, Tim, who's your favorite author? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I could say Charles Campbell, but, you know, that would be, I don't think I really have a favorite because I read so much. It's not, I follow a lot of authors, like on Goodreads and stuff. And when something new comes out, I'm not rushing to get the book just for the fact that lately, the last couple of years, I have not had a whole lot of time to read a lot. You know, Kristen Hannon. Hannah, I kind of got into her for a little bit, but then, you know, these books are massive and it's like, I joined a book club every month. They're putting out, oh, we're reading this and it's part of a series. I'm like, no, 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 not doing a series because then I'm going to get no work done because I'm just going to sit there. You know, I I needed no answers. You know, when I was a kid, I would sit there with a flashlight and read until the sun came up and then drag my butt to school yawning and, you know, my bags under my eyes but you couldn't put it down. And those days are gone. Now it's like, I kind of block out time to read something. And what am I reading right now? Book I picked up because it's small. Einstein's Dreams from Alan Lightman, because it's kind of a time travel-y thing and it goes along similar to kind of what I'm writing now. And I just picked it up. Oh, this looks interesting. And from the first page, I'm like, I love this style, just the thought pattern behind it. So I keep finding new and different authors that, you know, when they hit me, they hit me. Now I might at some point go to see, did he do anything else? But not right away. I'm not a rabid fan really to anybody just because I don't have the time to. I'm too busy churning out my own or trying to churn out my own. Right. But I do read here and there. I've got a whole closet full, stacks of books that I've picked up. It's like, okay, let's number them all. One, two, three. <laughs> it's like, I'll get to them someday before I'm dead, I'm sure. But the worst I don't is really when I go to the thrift store, it. I just collect more. I'm like, no, why did I do this? Well, speaking of the thrift store, Kim uh, alluded to this a little bit in her backstory, but uh, I do want to bring up this book. This is one of the books that I, that I have read that uh, Kim has put out there. But it's called Tales from the Thrift. And uh, Elena, when you get a chance, you might want to give it a read. But uh, and I know Francie's getting a big kick out of it because uh, somebody's name was used in this book, uh, named Francie. So uh, uh, tell, tell us a little bit more. In detail. Oh, I love that book cover. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. I uh, made that really pretty. 
I made it myself. Well, things I've learned. <laughs> talk, talk about this book a little bit more in detail. Uh, you know, what was the inspiration behind this book? And I know this is probably the one you were talking about. You sat there and was in a, you know, channeled. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, that was but, Nella McMiller. That's right. And I, I had just finished reading Francie's book probably mm -hmm. about two weeks before. And was that Velvet? Velvet. Yeah. Which I absolutely loved. I've read that three times already. And I'm just like, you know. I loved everything about it. There was one character I was kind of, eh, probably could have left that out, but I'm not critiquing. And it's each time I go back and read it, I was like, okay, yeah, they fit in, they fit in there. It's good. Um, so the thrift, I just started writing because the fact I found Nella's picture at a thrift store and it was a matter of oh, what if there was a mystical thrift store, you know, you walk in and as I wrote the book, I could see where everything was laid out. Yeah. And it wasn't a thrift store I'd ever been in. I didn't model it after the multitude of ones I'd been in. It was just, I knew where everything was, the names to the characters. I didn't pre-plan anything. This was completely panster. I planned nothing. How could you? I didn't even know what I was doing. I just sat and wrote what Nella in my head told me to write. And he had like magic rings in there that each had their own little special gift that they helped the people who had them. Um, there's a segment in there on bouncing because there's mm -hmm. a little library. Yep. And when you open up the book, it's like you're there, you know, I, and I backtrack it. I always like to put a little of my home base and I'm from Buffalo originally. So I had Niagara Falls. Then I had to stop. Well, what happened up there that would be fascinating enough where you would want to step back in time and go there? And it's like Niagara Falls. And I Wikipedia, you know, who went over Niagara Falls in a barrel and read all about this woman. So I put her into the book mm -hmm. that, you know, Francie met her on a bounce and didn't realize who she was at the time. But now she's older and talking about the cat lived. Everybody thought the cat died and the cat lived. <laughs> and I just kept kind of grabbing things if I was having them go bounce. My mother's favorite place as a kid it was Crystal Beach, an amusement park up in Canada. So I threw that in there knowing that, you know, my mother would read that and get a thrill out of it. Right. And I, sometimes when I'm writing, I do think of other people like, what could I put in there that would give them a kick? You know, like I could put in, you know, alligator drive, like you did with alligator yeah. drive. And I was like, holy crap, that's one block away from my house. And drag my husband down there and I'm holding up your book and having him take pictures He's like what the hell are we doing I'm like I gotta send Charles pictures this is alligator drive then we went looking for the house yeah I made up it. I made up the address I made the address up so yeah she was like where's but, 425 alligator drive it's not here <laughs> but it's little things like that you know when you come across something that hits home with you like oh I know that and I do that now, especially a lot of my books that are taking place here in Venice. I always put local, you know, restaurants in it or where I happen to work is in one of them. The gift store that carries most of my books, they're in one. I think Agnes McMuffin. Yeah, I think I put a gift store in Chasing the White Rabbit that's down there. See treasures and something. And pleasures. Man, it's yeah. still there. Yeah. It's yeah. still there. Down on the corner. Yeah. But the thrift, it just kind of morphed and kept moving and it's like you know as a reader it's like well you got to have some drama in here oh there's a tornado coming let's throw yeah. a tornado in for shits and giggles yeah and i just kept adding things in and it just kind of morphed on its own 
I don't do that so much anymore. I do get the inspiration from somewhere, but I do do a little bit more planning now when I, at least I can plan. The characters don't always play nice though. Like the latest one where it was going is completely morphed off from where I started with where it was going. But yeah, they love to do that. That always happens to me. You know, I have a general idea in my brain where things are going to go, but they never end up where I thought they were uh, going to end. So it's kind of where I'm at with the book I'm writing now. Um, but, you know, Elena and I, we, we've talked to a lot of people in the horror industry. You know, we call this Horror 421, the podcast. And there are some creepy elements and tales from the thrift. Uh, <laughs> there, there really are. But uh, I want to kind of segue. A serial into- killer? Oh, yeah, 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 that, that, that will do it. But really, and it still stands as my favorite book that you've written, and I've got to read more of your books. I'm definitely going to read the sequel, and I want you to tell me a little bit about the sequel. But uh, I want to talk to talk about the girl who captured the stars for a few minutes. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it tells the story of Damien and Kira, and, and Damien's this guy who comes back, and he, he actually buys the house that Kira used to live in. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to give away too much of the story for the folks that haven't read it. But, Kim, I want to get your overview on The Girl Who Captured Stars, how you came up with that idea. And this 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 definitely belongs. It's not like a blood and gore horror story. Mm-hmm. It's spooky and it's, and it's got a element. atmospheric. Yeah, mm-hmm. very atmospheric. The the mood and the tone in the book, too, it was very nicely done. And it just was a very nice immersive experience with with everything going on with um, the main character. It was just I really enjoyed this story. So I right. sure do that. I really really enjoyed it. Well, thank you. It's probably one of the ones that I sell the most of, and I think that's because of the cover. Another one that I made myself. I seem to do better when I make my own covers because if I have somebody else make it for me, it's like after the fact. It's like yeah, I do not. Like my covers I had, to. I had no money to spend a, <laughs> until I sold books it's like you everything I was doing it's like you're doing it for free you got to learn how to do this stuff yourself so yeah I, 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 I my cover makers on the podcast with us right now she's done the last two and they've been amazing but anyway back to the girl who captured the stars what inspired that how'd you come up with that the girl came from COVID <laughs> funny enough not that anything's funny about COVID but at work, we shut down where I work from March 15th to October 1st because the owner, God bless her heart, did not want any of us getting sick. Now, this is the beginning back in the thick of things where, you know, it was like a war zone. Everybody's running around, power and wearing their masks and hiding from the world. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting out having a cocktail with my husband and we have this whole wall of jasmine behind our house. And I just love the smell of jasmine. Well, come March, it starts blooming. And I just sit there in the evening when it's warm and just inhale the fragrance. Well, I walked outside with the dogs and I plucked one of the pieces of jasmine, took it back with me, sat it down next to my cocktail, talking, talking. And I looked down about an hour later and to me, they look like little white stars. They've always just, I love stars. I love anything cosmic. And it just reminded me a little star and the little star just started shriveling. And I'm thinking, well, that's just so sad. My little Jasmine, is, you know, I'm not picking them anymore because they die. When you pick things, they die. I probably use that in the book too, but again, from God only knows where I just, honey, 
I got to sit down and write this book, kind of like the thrift was. I wrote that in six days. And the intention was never for it to be a really a full novel. You wrote this book in six days? That's crazy to me. I wrote that in six days. I just sat down and just wrote and wrote and wrote. And my husband knows when I get in a mode like that, not all books work like that for me, but when they do, they usually come out very well because I'm not tinkering with them. I'm just dumping what's in my head and letting the story tell itself. Now, Damien, Simone, and Julian, those are the names of my boss, her husband, and her son. So I sometimes use people's names. I get their approval first before I do it, figuring they'll get a kick out of it. Now, Simone wasn't in that book too much. The next book that came out, she features more, as does Julian. But I use their names. Um, I'm horrible with putting a place on something. So there's this place in Florida called Arcadia. And me and my husband call it the land that time forgot. It's all antique and thrift stores down in the historical district. And there's this river that runs alongside it called the Peace River. And it's like, well, I've got to give it a name. And the town itself is based on Arcadia, Florida, which runs along mm-hmm. the Peace River. Uh, the Aunt Marcy and Uncle Ralph, those are actually my mother's aunt and uncle. And the woman cried when my mom gave her one of the books that I shipped up there to her and told her that I put her in it. Now, Uncle Ralph is long past. Aunt Marcy's probably 90 years old, but she oh, was wow. just pink. The house that Damien lived in is just like my aunt and uncle's house. The garden in the back, the big barn in the back, the house next door at the time didn't have a young girl living there, just a bunch of stoners who played smoke on the water really, really loud <laughs> and cranked it out. And my aunt wouldn't let me go over there and play because those bad boys would you know, get me in trouble. So that book was actually in my head formatted around my aunt and uncle's house set in Arcadia instead of you know, up in Western New York, or they're actually more Syracuse way. So I can pick up little pieces and take your house like Dorothy and drop it into another town, describe it all and just go off on my tangent telling my story because in my head, I see it going up those creaky little stairs, piles of stuff everywhere where you're trying to get through it. Never saw a snake there, but my uncle could roll his eyeballs in a cell phone bed. I've never seen anybody who could do that. And it freaked me out as a kid. So I got to put that in there that Uncle Ralph could roll his eyeball. (laughs) So some of the characterizations were taken from truth. People I know or people I've known, names of people I know. But the story itself, just another one that just told itself. After the fact, the only thing I kind of was like, I probably shouldn't do that. And you know, I always second guess myself after I write it with the part with Michael Hutchins mm-hmm. being the star in the jar. I didn't want to go into detail. I didn't want it to be depressing. Mm-hmm. But and I'm like, well, what should I write? You know, I did as much as I dared to write. And it's like, that should be enough. My mother's like, who is this Michael person? What's in the closet? And I'm like, <sighs> I knew I shouldn't have put it in there. Because not everybody would get it. Somebody from our generation would. And I think a lot of the people who buy that book 
probably are a heck of a lot younger than us. And they may do the same thing. Like, who is this? You know, in excess. When you, you, know, see, when you Yeah. I was going to say, when you say us, you're probably referring to me and you. Elena's still, you know, she isn't quite 30 yet. So Elena, did you understand that segment in the book about Michael? Hunter? I did. Oh, you listen to my awesome. Awesome. <laughs> hey, listen, my mom taught me well. I am an 80s music fanatic. Yes. Not the new NXS, the old one. The guy who the old one. Yeah. God bless. All right. Michael Hutchins. So but I know you love that book. And then I hadn't intended on taking it any farther. And then yet again, I got a bug up my ass of I need to write more about the girl. I love that book. It's probably one of my favorites. Everybody asks me, what's my favorite book that I wrote? You know, they're all your book babies. You, you like them all. The porn books don't care for so much. I'm going to pull those, put them under a pen name. And because they're really not fitting to what I do. But at the time I was in with a group of authors and that's where the money is. If you ever want to be famous, you know, you need to write this erotica stuff. And I cringed when I wrote it. It's like, uh, this isn't me. It didn't feel like me. And I got done and it's like, oh, thank God I'm done with that. And it's like, I haven't even looked back. I don't revisit them. I don't reread them. I care less. It's just like, some people like it, but for the most part, I'm like, no, this isn't me. This is not what I want to be known for. If I were to die tomorrow, don't pull the three pack of porn books out and read it over my grave <laughs> I think that's probably what Ann Rice wanted too she did the same thing she was like I am denouncing that whole entire thing that I did and I, I was like those. I, I read those I saw what she did there I saw it you can't undo that I've seen it <laughs> but no she she was writing something very very depraved that was a whole ball game different that was than- well before 50 shades even it was like oh Somebody That's was like, 50 Shades was hardcore. I was like, okay, read these. And then they came back. They're like, I didn't get through the second one. I was like, okay, I read all four. I don't know why. I just needed to know what happened. I was pissed. It's like, this is too much. Too Let's much. See. I loved Anne Rice. Back to a favorite author when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. I read everyone until I got up to the witches one. And then it kind of got into a series. And then yeah. I was, I just didn't have time anymore to devote to it stuck in the witching hour but that's such a large in charge book but there's so many Mm -hmm. names in it I thought about doing it because I look I'm an avid avid reader so he was like maybe you can get through it and I was like there's a lot of names I don't know we'll (laughs) see I like her in general but yeah no I love the vampires you know let's stay out yeah for sure Brad Pitt had the biggest crush on Brad Pitt after that and Legends of the (laughs) Fall like don't make me watch that movie again. That is a very, very sad movie, actually. <laughs> so that's how the girl came about. And then just recently, a couple months ago, I put out the girl who captured memories. And out of any of the ones that I've done, the people who have read it, which has not been a lot of people, but I haven't been pushing it. My work schedule kicked up. I just don't have time to devote to social media, paying for my Facebook ads, getting it out there. And Amazon offered hardcover. So that's the first book that I actually did in a hardcover and then got sticker shock at how much it costs to do that. Of course, my mother ordered one. (laughs) Usually my mother will order three copies of all my books. I'm only going to get one. And I ordered four, (laughs) one to have myself, which 
I'll show you. I don't know. If you haven't read that one yet, Charles, right? I have not, but I have the paperback with me that I'm holding up as well. <laughs> She's like, I'm better than you. But it's um, it's it's. <laughs> I'm just I just flipped through it. It it appears to be about twice as long as the first book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that one's later in life. That's about Julian at 19 years old, escaping college due to you know he's just got a lot of crap. Him and his roommate had a falling out and a brawl, and he runs away from college, saying you know it's not what I want to do which kind of was my mindset when I was in college. I didn't want to be there. And I skipped out five credits short of my degree. And I'm like, no, it's not what I want to do. Why spend any more money a whole other semester just to get those last five credits? So I could have had a liberal arts degree, but I didn't feel like doing the last semester. I just gave up. I'm like, no, not what I want to do. And really writing had nothing to do with what I was going to college for. It was interior design and architectural design. And it's like, nope, not what I want to do. So, you know, you make your choices and I don't regret not doing it because now I write books and I'm happy as a clam doing now. But the newest girl, um, I had to sit and think about that because it's like, well, where would you go with it? You know, what would you do now? And it's like, well, what would happen if, you know, Dame, Julian's all grown up and he goes back and he hates his father, you know, the way the girl ended off, you know, it was kind of a little melodramatic, little mm -hmm. hint of tragedy, you know, life lesson kind of thing. And then it's like, well, how do I top that? You know, because I love that book. It's like, how do you top that? So for the newest one, I actually sat and kind of read some books on you know, building up to the climax and up the roller coaster, you know, the emotional up and down and up and down. And it's like, okay, and kind of mapped it all out. And in some instances, I actually stuck to it and didn't let the characters take too much free reign with it. And then when I got done, proofread it, read it to the hilt, ran it through my editing software that I paid good money for. And it's just grammar software. And then I reread through it again. And that out of all of the books that I've written, this last one has got to be the cleanest with the way a book should be written with, you know, timetables, ups and downs, emotion, drama. You know, you think everything is going to be good. You get your little good moments, your first kiss moments. And then, you know, you send them off the rails again. And my husband was like, whoa. I really like this book. And I try to tell him, you know, the different like tropes and how writing works and is supposed to work, you know? And he's like, I could actually see the progression where, you, you know, you're sending me on a roller coaster emotionally. Right. Yeah. He's like, it made for such a good book. And I have a little old German lady that I walk with every morning. She bought it in hardcover to send to her daughter-in-law because she loved it so much. And she's like, I don't hear your voice in it anymore. And I'm like, oh no. You know, everybody up until this point is like, I love your books because it sounds like I'm talking to you. I'm like, is that good or bad? <laughs> I don't know. And in this one, she's like, I don't hear your voice anymore. And I'm like, well, I don't think that's good. She's like, no, it's no, that's good. a good, that's a very good For thing. That's, that's something I'm, I'm struggling with actually, because, um, the books that I write, especially with family members who read them, I get so much, so much shit from, well, 
not that much, but I get enough crap from people when they don't like um, the way a particular character acts, uh, what their nature is, because they reflect that upon me. And I tell them, that's not me. That's the character. It's, you know, you know, uh, you know, if he's a racist pig in the book, he's a racist pig in the book. That's not me. That's this guy. And they're like, well, why did you have to like, you know, I'll I'll get the, I I have to, explain it to you then yeah, yeah, you well, didn't get the point yeah all right, all right. Well, why do you have to curse so much I, I, i'm not cursing that's you know whoever that's <laughs> you know but anyway yeah so i think that's everybody in general with um creative brain when you show it to people who don't have that same ability to separate real life from that mm. world and realm that you're pulling from they're going to reflect that on you. Like when I do horror stuff or horror art, everybody's like, why do you do stuff that's so depressing? And I'm like, listen, I, I just, I don't know. I just ran with it. I had an idea, ran with it. And it just went that way. I don't know how to explain this to you. Like it is what it is. Right. Um, Cause they're like, you're always so happy and upbeat. Why don't you do the happy stuff all the time? I was like, cause that's not where my heart is all the time. Like the people are afraid of problems. Yeah. They want evil clown. Right. I'm like, I like to do both. So either way, we're good, you know. But I think I think it's hard to explain your creative process, your brain to other people. But like like Kim said, if if you can't read that far into it, then you didn't get the point, you know. Well, that's on you. Anyone who's read my stuff, you're gonna flip a coin whether or not it's gonna be a happy ending or not, because not all endings are happy. So Just broke my is. soul a few times, Charles. <laughs> my soul. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, <laughs> you know, what other thing I want to talk, ask you about writing a sequel? And, um, you know, w- with me, when I did the, the trilogy of Mrs. Fields Journal, it was never meant to be a trilogy. It was written as a standalone book, and I tied it up really nicely. But uh, the people who actually followed me and wanted me to go back into that world finally convinced me to do so in 2018 and I had to sit long and hard to think about how I was going to drudge all that stuff back up again in a way even though it's a fantasy in a way that seemed plausible um tell me how you know how you did that with the girl who captured memories I've yet to read the book but I've got a feeling you had to and you talked about a little bit you you probably had to uh you know really focus and figure out a way to bring her back to the readers that makes sense. I did, but you know, it, to read the new one, it's not the same girl. Okay. Okay. I didn't it's know all, that. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, it's not okay. the same girl. And actually, I made it a standalone. Okay. For the fact where series drives me crazy, because then it's like I started one with the thrift, then I did a shot in time, which didn't do as good. Again, you know, you're not pushing it. All the same people who read the thrift read a shot in time and loved it but it was everybody was like I want more Francie I want more of the thrift store whereas I with the thrift I could go off on so many different tangents with items that were in the shop and Mm -hmm. I chose to take the camera which played heavily in the first one well where did the camera came come from you know I asked myself that it's like well let's tell the story about that but still tie it all in with the people at the thrift. So a a shot in time started out with Jojo and how Jojo came across this magical camera at a, at a yard sale in his little hometown, which was my old hometown. So again, a lot of things based on like my grandmother's old restaurant. 
and it just kind of went through the progression. And my, my boss is like, I really hate Jojo. Is that supposed to happen? I was like, he's not a good guy. You know, it's not all kind of light fluffy with that little serial killer element thrown in like the thrip. This is Jojo's story, why he did the things he did and how is he connected to Francie. So the second half of the book is about Francie and Jane back at the thrift again. And Jojo is related, connected to Francie. And then it went from there. And again, you know, the big finale where, you know, killing off, killing off. Yeah, don't don't give away too much. I'm not telling nothing. Don't tell me anything. I want to read it. (laughs) All of my books, I always like to kill off at least one of my babies. People are used to (laughs) Or else you can't intrigue your readers. You know, you have someone has to die. Yeah. You gotta have Nicholas Spark does it, everybody else could do it. Exactly. Without the, you know, the rain falling down and the passionate kisses in a mud puddle, you know. So then I left it open for book three of the thrift. And something in me just went, I wasn't feeling it. When I write, I have to feel it or I can't do it. I hate giving dates saying, oh, coming in, you know, five months from now. And I did with that. I'm like coming in the winter of 2020. Winter came. I had a lady texted me who had my business card, probably somebody I gave it away, read the first and the second one. Well, where can I find the third one? I'm like, it's in my head. I haven't written it yet. <laughs> like, well, when's it coming out? I'm like, I don't know. That's awesome. So you lose a little bit of, you know, your credibility by doing it that way. And it's like, I can't change it. It's done. You know, I started the book. And I get in a mode where it, and I jot out 5,000 words and then the wall comes down. I'm like, it's not writer's block. I'm just not feeling it. And if I don't feel it, my, my magic is not going to be in the words. You have to feel the magic or it's not going to work. You can't force yourself to write. I'm a thousand. Every day. No, I write when I feel it. I agree a thousand percent. Then it goes off the rails from there. I could sit down and jot out 10,000 words. If, you know, I'm in the, the lair at nine in the morning and, you know, two in the afternoon, oh crap, I better eat something. I look down, I'm like, oh, I wrote 10,000 words and just told half the book. But yeah, it's, it's, it's easy being a writer, but it's difficult being a writer because, you know, you think that you have so much expectation hanging over your head of, you know, you're going to be famous. You're going to be Stephen King. And I got to the point where I don't want to be Stephen King. Yeah, it'd be nice to have his money, but money doesn't buy you happiness. I don't want my life consumed by traveling the world, doing book signings and having no life. I like connecting with readers. I like talking with people who want to read the books and ask me about the books. That just fuels me up beyond belief. Even if you don't buy the book, just to sit there and, you know, chit chat and well, what's this about? What's this about? And they walk away like, oh, I'm going to go check out Amazon. And they may not for months later, they're on vacation and it's not top of their list. But when I see spikes on Amazon, when I happen to give away, you know, 10 business cards at where I work and you see, oh, somebody bought an ebook. Cool. That's like, you don't know who it is, but you just hope they like it. And I had a teenager came in the other day who bought the girl who captured memories. And the first thing I thought of is, did I have any sex in the book? No, no, it was clean. It was a clean book. 
you know, and here's a mother with her like 12 year old daughter clutching my book. They said the author was here today. And I'm like, wow, I got a kid reading my book. I was just tickle pink because it's kind of geared for, to me, a younger mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they asked me about how the girl, the girl came to be. And I told them the mother's just like, wow. She's like, this is just fascinating. I'm like, well, this is book number two. Book number one, you can buy behind us at the bookstore or you got them on the Amazon, but they're standalone. You don't have to read one to have read the other. And two days later, I get a ebook sale for the girl who captured the stars on Amazon. I'm thinking, oh, maybe that little girl read it and gave it to mom to read. And they're like, we got to see what happened in the first book. Right, right. <laughs> like, little backwards thinking, but it's like I didn't link them on Amazon because I didn't want, again, that series thing where you have to read one. You could pick up any of them and read it and they'd be like, oh, well, look, there's another one out similar, but not. Let's go back and read that one. You know, I want it to be the option. I don't want to have to rope people into, well, okay, well, I got to get the next one. And then it sits on their shelf and they go, don't get to it forever because they forget about it. And it's like, you read it when you read it. I get excited. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's what I've told people about Mrs. Fields Journal. It was written as a standalone book. So if you read it, and don't want to read another one, that's fine. It's it was a standalone story. Out of order. I think I read number two first. Well, that was and then you're like, oh, there's another one. And it's like, oh, okay. So then I backtracked and read that one. And then it's like, okay, and then you Mazis wasn't out yet. And I was like, okay, what happened? See, now I gotta go out. Yeah, that's what that's what I got from a lot of people on that because it was really I was one of those. It was really one (laughs) long book, so 77,000 words or whatever into the locket and I was like this is a story just kept coming to your point it just wouldn't stop so I chopped it on that cliffhanger and said oh well they'll see it in a year so a year later the third one came out so yeah, that was- I had just met you and I messaged you and I was like listen <laughs> I need to know okay you left me hanging I need to know and you were like you read both yeah I did I need to know it yeah. thanks uh, <laughs> Elena is an avid reader and she reads very quickly so you can't put them out fast enough for her. Yeah. She's, she's, she's amazing. And I, I'm in awe of you at how quickly you can write books. I cannot write books that fast. When uh, people ask me how long it takes to write a novel, my general answer to folks is a pregnancy term. It takes me about nine months to put a book out. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's impressive that you can uh, focus and turn them out that quickly. I wish I could focus and turn them out that quickly. It's but. called being unfocused and letting the little hamsters <laughs> in your head just write the book for you. And all yeah. you got to do is use your fingers and drink your water. And, yeah. Well, you know, the other thing I, I completely agree with you about is the, uh, you, I, I don't sit down to write if I don't feel like writing. If it's not there, I won't do it. I don't really suffer from writer's block either. It's, mm-hmm. it's more of, is it there? Okay, it's not there today, so I'm not going to do it today. And then you'll see me post on Facebook when I go down music rabbit holes. It's because it's not there. I'm just I start with the intention of writing. I said, no, nah, it's not here today. So I'll just go into all. Yeah, you know. side, squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> so. No, I'm that. Way I actually struggle with that. Yeah, I'm starting new stories. I have, I have a young adult fantasy book written, edited, ready to go with the intent of it being a trilogy. And then you start reading up on, you know, being a proper author, making money in it and putting the prequel out for free to draw them in and that you should have all three ready before you release the series. 
And I started writing the prequel and it was just like, there we go again, not feeling it. So I have one written ready to go, which is a great little tale, but it's like, I'll do something with it. I got the cover for it. I've got the cover for book two, a lady made for me. And it's like, I'll get back to it. But in the meantime, you know, squirrel theory of, oh, what about this? You know, I've got a book written, started about ravens, you know, an inconvenience of ravens. And it's a Indian kind of that sounds interesting. Yeah. Indian homes and the birds that are kind of mystical. I'm in this mystical mode lately. Reading terror. That's never a bad thing. That's never, never a bad thing. No, but you know, a lot of people are like, "No, get back to what you write." I'm like, "I write what the little muse tells me." The little muse monkey just doesn't shut up, and you know, <laughs> just churn out what I churn out, but. I have five stories started. One, I got a Ouija board last year on summer vacation. It was marked free on a table. And the guy's just like, oh, yeah, that was my kids. It's been out in the garage since the 70s. I don't even think they played with it. I open it up. It's like brand new. You know, it's just my girlfriend who's got me into Oracle cards and crystal healing and Reiki and all that good stuff. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I didn't buy it to play with it. I bought it so I could burn the edges and make a cover for my book. I don't play with Ouija board, but you know, I didn't want to have to go out and spend $20 on a Ouija board that I'm going to burn just so I can make a really cool cover for my book. Yeah. I actually know someone who collects them and uh, they have a very weird, uh, they've written a lot of things about how weird their house is at night. And I was like, see, I just, I would rather not. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to know about it. I don't. I burn my sage over it. I burn. <laughs> right, my right. I'm like, I gotta it. burn the sage. I gotta light a white candle. I gotta do the salt on the sheet. I gotta throw it away away from the house so like the intentions are good. Right. A lot of stuff you gotta do. Well, this is an unsolicited plug for Elena, and is if there are any other authors out there listening, uh, um, Kim brought up book covers. If you need a book cover, and I don't think it necessarily has to be just in heart in the horror lane, even though we're talking about horror. Uh, Elena can come up with some awesome images for for book covers. She's done my last I've two book covers. Them. Yeah, they're, they're fun. They're intricate. I was like, wow, that's somebody's face. She did that. Yeah, that's her oh, face. That's her her face was on one of them, and then she no, the had her. Green, it was green, scaly looking. Oh, that that's was me. Uh, yeah, that's her. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was uh for for um, um which one was that? The uh, Glinda's and the Snake Lady. So that was her Snake Lady look. So she did the cover for the Road uh, to Terror. And, it was uh, lack of other people to do makeup on during COVID. So I felt bad that it was just me. I was like, there's not a lot of people right now. <laughs> but yeah, she, she she does some amazing covers. So I wanted to cool. shout out to Elena. Keep that on my back burner. And... Collabs are always fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You and, can come uh, up to New York in the summertime and do my war paint and I'll take my I'll be home. there in June. I'll be there in June. Oh, you'll be. Going yeah, I'll oh, be yeah. in. I'll be in Kim's neck of the woods in June. So we'll be. Oh, there. very oh, nice. I'm gonna miss them. Yeah. We could finally meet for real, and oh. I'm not gonna be here. You gave me the dates. I'm like, I won't be there. Oh, <laughs> finally, well. makes it back down to Venice. I won't be there. So. That's right. That's right. But I told them some fun places. I'll get them a list of fun places to go while he's here. <laughs> and you said you're in Venice. And then he can go in the gift store. You can you can go to the gift store and hold, like hold up pictures of my books. 
I'm here, but you're not, but your books are here. <laughs> That's right. All right. It's Venice, Florida, uh, Elena. Oh, Venice a- is actually a really, really nice area. My dad, he, um, he used to live in the Sarasota area, and yeah. then he moved a little bit closer kind of towards Tampa. But the okay. Venice area is so, so nice. Yeah. Yeah. We, we like it. Quiet. There. It is quiet. Though now, um, Kim says it's, it's grown up a little bit since I've been there. I haven't been there in oh, a few yeah. years. Yeah. But, uh, oh, yeah. All right. Well, we're coming up almost on the hour mark in the podcast. So, Kim, I want to allot some time for you to uh, tell all of the listeners where they can find your stuff, maybe what you're working on now. But I want to get I want to make sure we leave time for you to to self promote here and, and let us know where we can find your uh, find your books. Well, all of my books are on Amazon, unless you're in the Venice area, in which case they're at the Island Gift Nook and the Island Bookstore. But everything is free on Kindle Unlimited. I know a lot of people don't like Amazon, but I also sell them through myself. It's HTTPS dot dot slash slash blah, blah, blah. Tales from KLLatner.square.site. I'm sure you won't remember that, but I'm sure no, it's on the internet somewhere. I will put links I, on the uh, podcast. So as long as okay. I have the correct web address, I'll put it on there so they can click on yeah. it. But anyway, you can continue. And those ones are ones that I sign for you. It's just credit card and I ship them out shipping. There's different blocks, whether you live local and I can drop it off or if you want it shipped somewhere. So, but I do some business that way, but I'm doing my first book fair author event with 22 other local authors on the 19th of March, but I don't think it's open to the public. And that'll be scary because I'm some of the authors that are there are like big wigs down here. And I'm going to be like, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> Sitting here at a table with all these people who probably sold millions of their books. And I'll be like, I'm nobody. Just sit over here. But I'll do good. I'll do good. I have faith that um, it's all going to be fun take a few books to sell, a couple to donate to their little library. But for the most part, everything I have is on Amazon and it's under my author name, which is K.L. Leitner. And Leitner is like, if you ever follow basketball, Christian Leitner, the basketball player, same spelling. It's my husband's second, third cousin, something like that. Never met the guy. So don't ask me for his autograph because I don't even have one. (laughs) But um What I'm working on now is, uh, again, the muse carried me off since I kind of got into oracle cards, tarot cards, crystal healing, quantum touch energy healing. This one is called The Mystic Dream, and it's about a 14-year-old girl who is on a journey with her grandfather, and it's pretty much kind of a spiritual book. It's for the most part, all positive in nature and little life lessons that she learns along the way. And a lot of it has to do with like reincarnation and your prior lives. And there's talking animals in it and all sorts of kind of fun, little weird, mystical things on the journey. So if that's your cup of tea, you'll like it. Most of my readers are probably going to be like, where's the third Tales from the Thrift? We don't want to read this. And that's my love child. I don't care. I'm writing it because the universe is telling me that I need to write this. So I'm listening and that's what I'm working on right now. And it was supposed to be a novella, 32 ish thousand words. And I'm at 42,000 now <laughs> and with no sight, 
nothing, no end in sight. So it'll be done when I'm done with it. I don't have a time frame. <laughs> I've learned not to say, oh, it'll be done by such and such a date because the way life works, you know, my work schedule kicks up. I may only write in it once a week or I might write in it four days a week. I don't know. The muse only knows. And I listen to her when she bitches at me and tells me to get to work mm-hmm. and I listen, but it'll be fun. I've already got the cover done. It's a lion with like a, like a constellation scene set behind them and it's going to be a gorgeous cover and I'm just eager to get it done so I can get it out there this year I'll probably put out two maybe three books whereas on any given year it's like four sometimes five I've been doing it for three years in March so happy March anniversary of writing books and I'm just kind of slowing down a little bit and I'd rather put out a good quality instead of pushing out quantity before it was get rich, get rich, write lots of books. Now it's like, no, it's just a lot of work to do that. I'd rather just take my time, write something that I love to write and something that I know that, you know, people will love to read and get lost in. And that's what reading is all about losing yourself in a book and somebody else's word world and be like, Oh, it's time to go eat dinner. Oh, okay. Where'd the last two hours go of my time? (laughs) That's the best. You know, if you can take somebody away like that as an author, you've done your job. You know, people don't want to put the book down because, well, what happens next? You know, that to me means more than, you know, making a million dollars of being the next Stephen King. You know, just that you something like that you remember later, like, oh, I remember this book. I'm going to reread that again. It's still sitting on my shelf because I didn't dump it in Goodwill because it was worthy. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Well, Kim. We certainly appreciate, we certainly appreciated having you on the show today. It was it was awesome. Um, so it I'm was go- fun. It was fun. So was. Elena, and I think you can see the wrinkles in my neck. I'm like, oh, like no. I'm not even- <laughs> <laughs> the thing that women worry about when we're on the show. <laughs> I had to close the blinds because I had this glare coming in. I'm like, I look like that half face from what Batman or whatever, half bright, half dark. I'm like. I'm gonna put the drapes down a little bit. Stupid. I couldn't get the lighting right today. I was like, it's fine. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. <laughs> people are more listening. Do you find a lot of people are watching the video or more so listening to it? Kind of in the middle, actually. Yeah, it's 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 in the middle. Uh, a lot of them like to see the faces, uh, but the, okay. the 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 stats over on uh, Anchor seem like a lot of people are listening uh, on the podcast platforms too. So. Um, you can share it on my Facebook page. I think I have to approve anything. You know, I did that years ago because people were putting weird crap on my, my timeline. So, yeah, but yeah. that way I've got a whole bunch of people keep asking me when it's going to happen. I'm like, well, I know it happens March 5th. I don't know when it goes live, but yeah, well, we, we've, we've got quite a few podcasts, uh, recorded. So we've got podcasts re- recorded through, um, April. So this one will probably it doesn't air. even make sense right now in my head. I know. I know. Well, you make any sense. Y'all, wow. are, fam- y'all are famous. Uh, <laughs> we're trying. We're trying. <laughs> we're getting some pretty good guests, and you're one of them. We so are. We are. And we didn't even talk about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, we spent a whole hey, I'll be on there episode. all the whole time. <laughs> all right. Well, y'all can continue this podcast for the next four hours. I'm going to go. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Elena, tell us what you got out there and where people can find you. Well, I am Jukebox Baby 78 on Instagram as well as on TikTok. So if you like to see crazy body paint makeups, regular makeups, general life stuff, that's where I am. Um, if you want to follow me through Facebook and 
go about my little rantings and my memes daily with all my art in between. I am Elena Marie on Facebook. Um, if you guys want any makeup done or anything, you can DM me on Facebook or Instagram. That's kind of one of the easiest ways. Um, and I can always give you my business email as well on either one. But that is where I'm at. And always listen to our stuff. We appreciate all of our listeners that have come so far. Um, it has been quite an honor to bless your ears and your vision, visuals on YouTube. Um, but Kim, thank you so much for being on with us today and for just sharing your gift with the world. I know with a lot of creative people, how hard it is to put yourself out there. And I just, it's just so nice that you keep doing it. And it's just, thank you. <laughs> Following your passion. That's right. Right. You guys both know. So that's right. But, no, thanks for having me. This was fun. Oh, you're I was very all well. nervous at first and ate my lunch beforehand. It's like, Hey, well, it's, it's, it's funny. It's, I'm all dressed up on top. I have shorts on the bottom that completely don't match. We all have top. pajamas on. It's, it's fine. Like- <laughs> it is a laid back podcast. And um, I am Charles Campbell. Uh, you can find me on Facebook under Charles Campbell author. You can find me in the same place on Instagram under Charles Campbell author. You can find my books at valleyboypublications.com. Uh, the eBooks are also available on Amazon. So you can check them out there if you're more of a digital reader um but yeah that's what i've got out there we really appreciate everyone listening to the show today and uh we will catch you next time on horror 421 the podcast you guys have a great day bye we hope you had a horrific time lovelies thank you for tuning in to horror 421 the podcast Be sure to like us on YouTube and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.